We need a reaching mission. Amen? We need a reaching mission in the church right now. More than ever. And when I say the church, I mean the church universal. Now more than ever, we need a reaching mission. We need a movement. It's got to start in our hearts. In our hearts to be a reaching church. A church that reaches out to those around us who need to know Jesus Christ. We need a heart that is overwhelmed with Christ's love. We need a heart that's full of Christ's love, of Christ's compassion, of his loving kindness for the world. A heart that's overwhelmed. We need a reaching mission in the church and we need it now more than ever, ever, ever before. There have been great movements of God down through the years. Many wonderful times where God poured out his spirit. In, in various places, and we need a reaching mission and a movement of God's Spirit now more than ever. Why? I believe as we've been studying and as we've been looking into God's Word that these are the last days. You say, Charles, how can you be sure? Well, I can be sure on at least one major account, and that's the account that Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost and said, Hey guys, this is the last days. This is what was prophesied would happen in the last days. And that was 2,000 years ago, amen? And so if it was the last days then, tonight, for sure, this is the last days. I believe that we're living in a time that the scripture tells us about are the last days. And for this reason, we need a reaching mission. And we need a, a, a compassion in our hearts of reaching people. We need to be filled with the Spirit. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God, baptized in the Spirit, amen, with boldness and love to reach out to those around us. We need to do it now. Take a look at the warning that Jesus gives the disciples about the last days and the time of his coming. Pick it up, Luke 21. We'll pick it up, verse 7. It says this. So they asked him, saying, teacher, but when will these things be? And what sign will there be when these things are about to take place? And he said to them, take heed that you not be deceived. For many will come in my name saying, I am he, and the time has drawn near. Therefore, do not go after them. But when you hear of wars and commotions, do not be terrified, for these things must come to pass first, but the end will not come immediately. Then he said to them, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be great earthquakes in various places and famines and pestilences, and there will be fearful sights and great signs from heaven. But before all these things, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons and you will be brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. But it will turn out for you as an occasion for testimony. Therefore, settle it in your hearts not to meditate beforehand on what you will answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries will not be able to contradict or resist. You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends and they will 
put some of you to death, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But not a, a hair of your head shall be lost. By your patience, possess your souls. Hear the word of our Lord tonight. Amen. There will be rumors, wars, and rumors of wars. Jesus is actually asking, he's answering the question, when, when the, the, he's talking about the time of the end. The disciples are asking, well, well, tell us, when is this going to be? We want to know. And Jesus tells us, he says, there will be wars and rumors of wars. These things must happen. When these things begin, the end will not come immediately. We've been having wars and rumors of wars for centuries. In fact, you could argue that there's been wars and rumors of wars for the last 2,000 years. You know your history. Things like that have been happening. Look at the 20th century. They say that you could take the dead bodies from the militant regimes of the 20th century, and there's more dead than the last 2,000 years combined by a long shot. That was the 20th century, the century that we just left. And we passed now into a new century. And Jesus says nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be great earthquakes in various places. Well, I didn't skip right over that sentence there. Nation will rise against nation. Kingdom against kingdom. And we see this happening. We see the sabers rattling. There will be earthquakes in various places. I think one... Translation said diverse places, in diverse places. And that, you know, that has been a subject, that particular verse has been a subject of discussion for many, 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 many years. Well, you know, let's get our seismographs out and, you know, let's get, you know, you can actually go to the website where you can actually study like the seismographic activity throughout the world. I think, I, I think it seems to me that what Jesus is talking about is that there's seismographic activity like all the time. There's, there's little tremors here and there. Seems like to me he's talking about great earthquakes. Things of kind of big proportion so to speak. And so just in the last several years, we've had some major, major earthquakes. You remember the, the tsunami uh, that hit Thailand right after Christmas, I believe it was? And then, of course, there was the earthquake and the tsunami that hit Japan and just leveled, I mean, and I watched that video. Did you see the video a few couple years ago when that tsunami hit and the water came in and just wreaked devastation and even to the point of 
compromising the nuclear reactors in northern Japan. Just a few years ago, we've begun to see earthquakes in places that you never really used to see earthquakes. In fact, just a few years ago, there was an earthquake in Virginia. And it literally, it shook the capital. The monument was shaken. And over the last several years, they've had to do some repairs to the monument. There's a picture of the monument and there the ellipse and the White House. So I thought I'd throw that up there, being that we're in the election. (laughs) Jesus goes on. He says, there will be famines and pestilences. Of course, we see this happening all over the world, and this has continued to happen. Famines, droughts. We see pestilences breaking out. To be honest with you, I'm not sure how much of it is just the wild pestilences that are cropping up and how much of it could even be concocted in laboratories. And there will be great signs in the heavens. And we've seen these signs in the heavens. We've seen a series of lunar eclipses and we've seen the first one back in 2012, I believe it was. Or no, what the, the one, was it 20, 2014? 2013, 24, I, it's all a blur now. <laughs> let, me out. Uh, let me just tell you what I did. I remember I got up, I got up at 3 o'clock in the morning and I, I set my alarm and I went out and watched the lunar eclipse. And it was, I sat, I, I pulled out my beach chair right on the driveway just pulled up a chair, and it was a sight of, of beauty, really. Um, incredible things. And we're seeing these things. Skip down in Luke 21 to verse 25. And there will be signs in the sun, and in the moon, and in the stars, and on the earth, distress of nations with With perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth, of the powers, the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming with power and great glory. So we've seen these, we've seen various signs in the heavens. Now, I, I don't have any books out about, you know, connecting all these dots and things. And, I, you know, there's various books. But I think that just as I wouldn't call myself a casual observer, I mean, I'm, I'm up on this stuff a little bit. I mean, I've followed the tetrads and the various signs. Seems to be something going on. Something in the heavens happening. And we're coming up on a major sign uh, in 2017. On 
near the Feast of Trumpets. And it is, a, it is an incredible sign it is going to appear in the sky. And it is something that has not happened. You can download a program on your computer called Stellarium. How many have Stellarium? No one here. <laughs> okay. I guess I'm, I'm the only one. <laughs> um, but this is a really cool, it's a free program, and, and you'd actually be, you'd like it. You can go to, the, you know, just Google or whatever, you know, whatever search engine you want to use that you feel safe. And uh, download this program, Stellarium. And what's cool about this, this program is that you can, you can go to any date in history and look at the sky. You can go, to, you can go back 2,000 years, and you can set your location on the earth. I've done this. I've, I went back to like 3 BC and looked for the star of Bethlehem from Babylon and all this stuff. I mean, you can do this. It's really cool, really cool stuff. There is, there is a sign, I'm, I'm just letting you know, there is a sign, I believe it's coming up on September 23rd, 2017, and it is, I'm not saying it's the fulfillment of Revelation 12, verse 1, but it is a sign in the sky of that, of the woman clothed with the sun, with the moon at her feet, with the garland of 12, uh, stars above her because we know that the constellation Leo has nine stars and the ancients called the planets wandering stars. There's going to be three planets within the constellation Leo and so there you have the 12 stars above the woman clothed with the sun with the moon at her feet. If you're interested in seeing that, I'll, I can show you that. It's awesome, awesome. I say all that not to get like all like weird and say there's you know this date and that date. It's, that's not my purpose for bringing it up. My purpose is to say that there are signs in the heavens, and that these things are there are things that are happening, and there is an intensity that is building. And I think that we need to, as the people of God, we need to be aware of these things, not getting ourselves into any type of a frenzy over them, but being aware of the signs of the times. Amen? That last verse there that we read in um, verse 18, 19, back in that first section, there was even some verses there that talked about the the waves, the, the oceans being stirred up. And of course, we've seen some devastating hurricanes over the last, you know, 10 to 15 years. What's, what's happening with all this? I, 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 Charles, what are you saying? I, I just think that there are warnings. We talked about this last week with the warnings. Is everything that happens, is it a warning? Is it a sign? No. But they're not all not warnings. Remember, we talked about that last week. 
Not everything that happens is a warning, but they're not all not warnings. There's some warnings. There's some harbingers that are happening. And so I think this is the thing that we need to take to heart. This is the thing that we need to kind of have on our minds. And we need to just kind of be sober about it. We need to be serious about it. And we need to be at peace about it. Amen. Because we have a God that's our Savior and our Lord. And he's the lion and the lamb as we've sung. He's the lamb of God that has taken away, that takes away the sins of the world and has taken away the sins of those who have come into the kingdom, into the family of God. And so we need to wake up and realize that our redemption is drawing close. We just learned from our series in Peter that Peter had told in his epistle, he says, the end of all things is at hand, right? Turn with me in your Bibles now to 1 Peter 4, verses 7 and 8. I want to read those for you. And this should be fresh in our minds because we've just studied these passages this year. Peter says this, but the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. So what does Peter say? I think Peter would step into the midst of the conversation, right? And he would say, okay, let's be, let's be level-headed about this. We don't have to be fearful. We don't have to be anxious. We don't have to get, you know, this type of, you know, no. That's not what we have to do. What we have to do is we have to be serious about it. He says, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. So we need to be serious and we need to be watchful in our prayers. And as Jesus said to the disciples, he says, when all these things happen, it's going to give a rise for you for an opportunity for testimony. Did you catch that? It's going to give you an opportunity. There's going to rise in the midst of this an opportunity for testimony. And so we need to be those type of people, the people that are serious, the people that are watchful in prayer, the people that are watchful, vigilant, looking for that, the rise of that opportunity for our testimony to go out. And God is going to give us the words to say. He's going to, he's going to uh, be with us by his spirit as he promised to be with us. Now, now here again, Peter, Peter said in Acts 2, in his sermon, which I think was one of the greatest days of ministry recorded in the Bible, Acts chapter 2, okay? He, got, he preached and 3,000 people were saved. I mean, that's an awesome, that's an awesome Successful day in the kingdom. Amen. <laughs> There's another day that I thought that I, in my studies, that I would put kind of right up there with that day of ministry. This is just a side note, okay? <laughs> when Elijah went face to face with the 850 prophets of Baal, and you know, that showdown on Mount Carmel. Right? 
and they were calling out to their you know, gods, they put this altar, they fixed this altar, and they put the, the, the sacrifice on the altar, and they said, oh, he says, oh, go ahead, go ahead, call, call, call out your gods. They, they called and did their, all their, you know, you know, all their callings of the, you know, the gods to come and, and, and accept the sacrifice and all this. So much so that uh, after a while, uh, Elijah began to actually mock them. And said, you know, I don't know, guys. I think he's, think your God's on the toilet. <laughs> now you read it. That's what it says. Amen. That's what he said to him. And uh, so anyways, Elijah steps up. I don't have time to go through this whole story, but it's a great story. These, 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 this is fun, right? And so, so Elijah prays, and of course they put the water, and they just really soaked the sacrifice and all the rest of it. And God, his power and his fire comes down on Mount Carmel and, and consumes the sacrifice, and the text says it licks up all the water. And, and this is why I think it's one of the greatest moments in, in ministry <laughs> recorded in the Bible, because the prophets of Baal... <laughs> are literally crying out when this happens and they're, they're actually saying what is actually a form of Elijah's name. They're actually saying, El is Yah, El is Yah, which is Elijah, Elijah. And so it's like they're saying, El is God, El is God, or Yehovah is God, and Elijah. And so, you know, even uh, you know, Elijah got his name called out, you know, there. And uh, so anyways, that's, that's my take on probably the two greatest days in the, uh, in the ministry, other than, you know, we're not talking about Christ's ministry, obviously. So Peter is saying here, in 1 Peter, he's saying the end of, the end of, uh, this is the end. The end of all things is at hand. And and of course, this is leading up to the return of Christ. Jesus talked about that in that last section in Luke 21 that we read. And the Son of Man coming in, in the clouds and in power. And of course, that's a reference for you Bible students. When Jesus said that, that was a reference back to the Daniel passage of the vision that Daniel had of the Son of Man coming in the clouds. Okay? So when Jesus said he, he, the Son of Man, he connected himself to the Son of Man, all the people who knew their Daniel knew exactly what he was talking about. So he's coming. He is coming to deal with the situation that is going to be happening at that particular time on, on the face of the earth. And so we have these nations Nations rising against nation, kings against kingdoms. And we have really this spirit of Antichrist that is at work among the nations. In something that has become known as, and you have heard it in this political season, this idea of a new world order, right? A new world order, a global order. And <clears throat> this is actually a thought that I've had for several months now. Um, and, and I've thought this through biblically 
um, and why I would stand on the pulpit and tell anybody why I'm against a new world order of globalism and a centralized global government. Because of what we talked about last week, that it was God himself that separated the people and mankind and established the nations and separated the people. And you can go back and read that in Deuteronomy 32. So that it was God himself. And so that I believe that any attempt to bring the nations back together in any type of global government is the very spirit of Antichrist. Now, we can come together. God, can bring a, God is bringing a nation together from the four corners of the world, right? From every tongue. It's in Daniel too. Every tongue and every tribe will be represented. But that's all people being united and coming under the banner of Jesus Christ. But any attempt to bring the nations back like that would be, in my mind, an attempt to bring us back to Babel and to the tower and to the disobedience that was happening there. And, and that's what's happening. That's what's happening. And so we need to be mindful of this. And there have been people that are trying to fight against it. There are, there are people that are trying to fight against it. Um, I, I remember when the first, when I first heard of the European Union, you know, I remember when I first heard of it, it was like, oh no, here we go, right? You know, how many are there going to be? Ten toes? How many, right? And we were all going back to the, the, the Daniel prophecy and all that, and then there ended up being like 27 nations, so we were like, okay, no, that wasn't 27 toes, it's supposed to be 10 toes and whatever. And uh, so... Anyways, what I'm saying there is that I think there is what God wanting to do still in the earth, that he does want to bring a, a wave of harvest and revival across the land. And, and we're, I think you're seeing pockets of this, this resistance to kind of that Babylonian idea and that, that uh, conspiracy, I'll use that word, of the nations to bring us back to that. And so I, th I think there's a resistance to that. And of course, we've seen in recent days the Brexit vote, among other things. So this is all happening, but what happens is, is that the world kind of keeps heading in this direction. It keeps heading in a direction, and you have, um, you have things that happen uh, leading up to the time of the end that are basically, and there's no other be better way to say it, really, that there are conspiracies, nations conspiring together, and so much so that the Bible tells us that they conspire to come together against the hand of the Lord. That's how godless it is. That's how satanic it is. That's how of the, the evil one that it is, that there's literally uh, this kind of abandoning, banding together to come against the Lord. 
and against his people. And we see this in Psalm 2. We see it in Psalm 83. We see it in Acts 4 and other places. So this is, this is thoroughly through the scriptures that is well documented. And, and I'm saying all this to say, just look around. We're living in these times. We're, 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 we're like, we have a front row seat, really, to this stuff. And it's like, it's mind-blowing what's happening. I was reminded of just a, just a few years ago, he's gone off the scene. I don't know how far he is off the scene, but the once president of Iran, before the Iran nuclear deal, uh, Ahmadinejad, let's all, can you say that? No, I just, <laughs> Ahmadinejad, he literally got up at the UN in New York on the Day of Atonement, on Yom Kippur, and called for the absolute destruction of Israel. This is, this is, this is old news. This wasn't yesterday. This was a couple years ago. This is what's happening in our world. So I am saying all this to say to give us that sense of who we are in Christ and where we are and that things are happening and that we need to have the love of Christ in our hearts right now for people that need to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They need the love of God. They need his mercy. They need his grace. There are some people that are so far in the grasp, in the grip, of the enemy. And I believe yet they could still be saved, but there are many, many others that are just kind of walking aimless. They just need somebody to reach out to them. They just need somebody to reach out. So we need to love one another, Peter says here in verse 8. He says, and above all things, have fervent love for one another. And this is a commandment that Jesus gave to the disciples. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Amen? That you love one another. And we are to love one another within the body of Christ. And we need to have a compassion for those who don't know Christ. We need to love one another and we need to have a heart of compassion for those that don't know Christ. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down his life for his friends. This is, this, we need to have this type of love for one another. Amen? I remember an old song, an old white heart song. Let your first thought let your very first thought be love. Amen? That's, that was always a hard one. <laughs> that was always a tough one. You know, there's an interesting contrast, comparison, of the last words of Jesus from the cross compared to the alleged last words of Muhammad. 
Now, we know that Jesus' last words weren't from the cross, right? But, but his last words before he gave up his spirit and passed away on the cross, we have those words. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Wow. Some great last words. Let, let, let that be in our heart, in our mind. Amen. And then we have the last words of Muhammad from the Hadith. The prophet in his fatal illness said, this is what he said before he died. Allah cursed the Jews and the Christians because they took the graves of their prophets as places for praying. So he's basically bringing up a statement of that Allah has cursed, you know, these people. And here Jesus is saying from the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So we need to have that type of love in our hearts. So 1 John 3.16, how do we know what love is? How do we know what love is? That's a question, not a foreigner song. Amen? 1 John 3.16. You could quote John 3.16 in that place to answer it. But you could also use 1 John 3.16. I'll have it in the NIV up on your screen. It says this. This is how we know what love is. That Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. So Jesus called the disciples, his friends, and he went and he laid down his life for them and it became this awesome display, this awesome example of what love is. Now we know what love is. Now we know. And so I want you to, in closing, turn with me to John chapter four. I want to show you just the tail end of an exchange in a conversation between Jesus and how we know her as the woman at the well, right? That's how we know her. We don't, we don't know what her name was, but we know we call her the woman at the well. Why? Because Jesus met her at the well of Sychar, right? And of course, he talked to her, and you know there was no one there. It was kind of past the, the busy time at the well, and Jesus basically has this conversation with her and tells her everything about her life. And she is just blown away, amazed. She's just standing there going, what, who is this guy? You know, he's, tell, he's told me everything. He said to her, if you knew who it was that was talking to you, you'd ask him for water and he would give you water that if you drink this water, that you will never thirst again. Amen. So look down at verse 27 of John 4. It says this, And at this point, his disciples came, and they marveled that he talked with a woman. Yet no one said, What, what do you seek, or why are you talking with her? And the woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city and said to the man, 
Come and see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. In the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not, do, you do not know. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and that he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. And I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored, and others have labored, and you have entered into their labors. Amen? Amen. So what's happening here? Jesus, the disciples, had been, they went into town to get lunch, right? They get back with lunch and they discover that Jesus is there talking to this woman. She's a, she's a woman, she's a Samaritan. It just, what, what's going on here? This is craziness, right? He's crossed all the lines. He's crossed the racial lines, the gender lines. He's, he's crossed the lines to, to, to speak, to have this moment with this woman, to speak into the center of her heart, and to change your life forever and ever and ever. And so in the midst of this, the disciples get back and she leaves her water pot. And she runs into the city and she goes to the men of the city and she says, I've been talking to this guy and, and he could be the Messiah. He could be the one. He could be the anointed one of Israel. Come and see. Come and see for yourself if it is indeed him. And she literally brought the town out to see Jesus. And that's when Jesus had turned to the disciples and began to talk to them about winning a harvest of the Lord for the kingdom. And, and he says, look, you know, there are some that have sown, there are some that have labored, but you're going to enter into the labors where you have not sown and you're going to enter into the labor and reap a harvest. And look, to you, look. The, the, the fields are white unto harvest. The commentators suggest that that's not talking about, hey, look at the fields. It's time to get the, you know, guys out there reaping the fields. Literally, the men of the city coming in white robes, coming out to meet them. He says, look, the fields are white unto harvest. Amen? And so... What is awesome about this story to me is that she perhaps didn't have any big spiel to present. In some ways, she was just blown away by the whole experience, the whole conversation. You know, you remember the conversation. She says, oh, you know, we began to talk about husbands and wives. And she says, Jesus says, yeah, you've had five husbands. And the man that you're with now is not your husband. What? This man told me everything that I know. And here's what happens when we go out with the message of Christ. God can use us to speak in such a way. 
Jesus said, when you go out, you're gonna give, there's going to be a, a, an opportunity for testimony. And you're going to speak, and I'm going to give you the words, and you're going to be filled with the Spirit, and you're going to say things. You're not even gonna, you're, someone's going to come back to you and say, did you know what you told me? I've had people tell me that. I mean, I prepare words. I, I prepare messages. And as, you know, Solomon talks about in the end of Ecclesiastes, he talks about how he wrote the words. And he said, I, I picked out and I chose the words. And so we, we can do that. And that's great. And that's fine. And, and, and I'm a firm believer in that. That's what I, I do that every week. I sit in my Bibles and the commentaries and I read and I, and I select words and, I, and I've got thesaurus.com up on my browser and I look and say, what's the best word to say here? What's the way to say this that's going to really speak? But then there's just being a vessel of God and being used. And when that moment, that opportunity for testimony comes, maybe all it is is hey, come and see a man <laughs> that told me everything that I ever did. Could, it be the, could he be the Messiah? So God may use you to speak. There is kind of, in evangelism, there is kind of this idea of go and tell. But I think there's also an idea of come and see, come and see. So I believe as we're leading up to the Genesis series, I want to invite you to be used of the Lord. To look for that time, that moment, that rise of that opportunity for testimony that God may give you to speak to that person that you know. And also to ask them, come and see. Come and hear a man who told me everything about my life and see what God's going to do. Amen? Amen? Amen. And I, I believe that God can do some mighty, mighty, incredible things.